HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palaccio, your host for this half hour on the Heritage Radio Network. And today's show is being sponsored by Dixon's Farm Stand Meats. Dixon's is a purveyor of unique selection of artisanal meat and meat products. Their beef, lamb, pork, goat, and poultry are sourced from local farms, hand-picked because of their commitment to producing natural, humanely raised, high-quality meat products. Visit them at the Chelsea Market in New York City or online at dixonsfarmstand.com. Today on A Taste of the Past, I decided the weather's getting nice. Finally, the sun is coming out and people start to think about cooking outside or, as they call it, barbecue. So I thought maybe we would put to rest some, um, I guess, some misunderstandings of what barbecue means, but barbecue can be anything to anyone. And... Uh, I've invited a special guest. In full disclosure, I must admit, he is also my son, <laughs> and that's Zach Palaccio. Welcome, Zach. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> um, and the reason I've brought Zach is because he's done some extensive research on barbecue and has just recently opened and introduced a different kind of barbecue to people, and I, I think it's something that is worth talking about. But first, to backtrack a little bit about just barbecue in general, I mean, most Americans think when they go out in the backyard and they, you know, slap a slab of steak on the grill that that's bar- they're barbecuing. They're wrong. They're wrong. Okay. Yeah, let me dispel some myths. Grilling is not barbecuing. But to explain, it's grill. But putting but it's it on grilling. the putting it's it grilling. on the grill is grilling, and it's good. First, let me say that. Your theme music is so much more civilized than the theme music I had on my show here on the Heritage Radio Network. In fact, the place smells better since I left, which is amazing. Uh, maybe I have to come back and rub my funk all over the radio station one more time. But We like to keep a higher profile. Here. Sure, of course. Of Cleaner course, that's profile. It. Maybe boot me. Um, but yes, grilling is often referred to as barbecuing, which is fine. I mean, but it is... I think if you want to get technical, it is inaccurate. Um, Barbecuing is something that's been developed over the years. It was really like Eastern Europeans bringing it to to the north country of Texas. Um, Czechs, the Polish, the Germans. Um, You know, you still find German settlements in northern Texas where they practice the art of barbecuing, which is 
smoking meat using the smoke from wood at a low temperature to cook the meat, um, oftentimes to cook it and hold it and preserve it. And initially, that's why I believe barbecue was created, was a pre- preserving technique, making jerky, for instance. All right. You know, if some, if jerky was made for long trips, you know, whether, it, you know, all the way back to the age, you, you, I mean, pre-recorded history, people were smoking meat to carry it on long voyages. Um, well, and, and also cooking at a low temperature. Yeah, that when that in in um, European country or the West Indies, but well, in fact, the word the word barbecue, nobody really quite knows where it comes from. No, they yeah, think I maybe know. it was an Indian word, the barbacoa, or right. French from bar, from nose to te, barb to cue from nose to tail, right. because. When they would do this slow roasting, um, this smoking, they would use every part of the animal, right? right. As you do as well. In your and you find it, I mean, with, I think that the, the heavy influence of the Eastern Europeans, of, 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 of the Germans and, and Czechs, and, and in the middle of the United States, and, and uh, you know, particularly my focus has been, and my, my knowledge has come from Texas, where I've spent a lot of time mm-hmm. well, uh, that's- hit, hitting the areas. I mean, they, they, they use it in their charcuterie, really. So it was, barbecue wasn't necessarily employed as something, as a method of cooking meat and then serving it hot. It was, it was, a, it was a method of smoking a meat, cooking it through, preserving it, slicing it thin, and eating it in small quantities with bread or with other grains. Right. And the smoky, the smoking technique and the, um, the long, slow cooking was also, um, became popularized, I think, in the 1800s because of a lot of the the ranchers and the cowboys out in the field were given the worst cuts of the meat. Right. So right. they're going to cook them for a long, you know, any, like you would slow roast anything, you know, slow smoke it long and low, you're going to tenderize the meat and then they could eat it. Right. You know, and, and, and I'm take not, it with I'm, them. I'm not sure. It's, it's, it could, it's a good theory. I mean, there's nothing for to base it on, but right. that combination of the technique that was brought over to, to, to the new world, to the United States by immigrants from, immigrants from, from Eastern Europe, you know, maybe clashing with this cowboy culture, you know, and finding, applying new parts of, uh, new cuts of the animal to, to the smoker. That could be, it could be a, an actual mashup in and of itself, this barbecue that we know today, but I don't know exactly well, how. Well, they, they all sure. learned it from somewhere, and right. obviously it came, you know, it came, as you say, to the new world from the old country. And then, of course, there are the the great discrepancies of how barbecue should be served and how it should be prepared. Sure. You know, the turf wars, let's say, between South Carolina and Texas and Tennessee. You know. <clears throat> right. You, you get, you, get a, a, you know, should it be sauced is the biggest, probably the biggest sort of argument between the two, the, the different cultures in the South. You know, there's there's North Carolina barbecue. And you can cross, you can cross you know, um, county lines and they have, different methods of barbecuing. There's a vinegar sauce. There's a sweet sauce. Um, Kansas City barbecue is slicked with a sauce and, yeah, and, and rubbed with a sauce. Yeah. And, and Texas barbecue is salt and pepper. And, you know, if there's sauce on the table, it's a hot sauce, but it's salt and pepper, a wedge of cheese, and some white bread. You know, and, and if you cook... Pr- Properly, you know, salt and pepper is perfect. That's all you ever need. Yeah. If you dry the meat out, you know, you, you, you have a little more margin for error with sauce. I don't subscribe to any one theory as far as, as what makes barbecue other than you're cooking with smoke. That's just it. From, and all of from, these, from wood and all not, of these not are from smoked, scrap iron. Right, yeah. and, the, and that's, that's the whole point. They're all cooked long and, and over smoke at low temperatures and tenderizes them and they all come out great. You know, the, well... <laughs> that's arguable whether well they not, all, not everyone you know <laughs> and, and there, there are a lot of different theories you know and, and, and some of the, some of the, the the greatest practitioners of barbecue who are still alive today some of these guys you know 
are sort of counter to exactly what we're talking about, what we believe. A guy like Rick Schmidt, for instance, who's you know one of the foremost foremost barbecue men in the entire United States, who runs Kreitz's in Lockhart, Texas, and was formerly Schmidt's, and he split. The legacy was that there was a place called Schmidt's in Lockhart, Texas. It was owned by Rick Schmidt's uh, father, and probably grandfather before that. Probably grandfather, because it's been around and, a long time. And, and, and at a certain point, there was a rift, and he split off from his sister, I believe, who kept Schmidt's, and he went off and he opened Kreitz's, which is his huge barbecue house just in the outskirts of town. And now there are rumors, and, and Robbie Richter, who is, is my partner and pitmaster at Fatty Q., has worked with Rick, and, and you know, so these rumors are somewhat substantiated that Rick cooks his brisket at above, you know, 400 plus degrees. Wow. And starts it. And there are some rumors that go even as high as 900. In barbecue books, there's a barbecue book I have that I bought in Austin my last trip down there that states that, that and, and they're alluding to him, they don't mention him by name, that he starts his brisket at 900 degrees, which I know is, you know, a, a bald-faced lie because I've seen his smokers and there's no chance that he can get them up to 900 degrees because they're brick smokers. And this this is another style, which is the traditional pit smoking, yeah. which is not like the sophisticated smokers you may see in New York barbecue restaurants or most barbecue restaurants now throughout the country. These pit smokers are like brick chimneys laid on their side, um, so it's it, you know it's 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 a a brick sorry a brick column along the ground with uh, you know open space underneath and a grill on top and then heavy cantilever doors that close on them. So the meat actually goes on a grill surface. And then on the side of the chimney is a fire pit. So a chimney, the chimney, this stack laid on its side, could be 20, 30 feet long with a fire built on, on you know, right side. or left side of it, pushing, pushing the heat through the, the pit. And depending on where you place your meat, it's either hotter or cooler. Hmm. So, and that's, that's sort of a traditional pit-style barbecue. Right. Uh, and, of course, today there are all kinds of fancy... Uh, smokers well, obviously you have to keep them a lot of especially in the city you've got to keep them indoors so they have all kinds of fancy metal ones which we'll right. talk about um, in a little while well they also started with the slave cooking you know which was uh, which was really phenomenally interesting you know these guys <coughs> and slaves you know historically always they got the, the lousiest the pieces cuts yeah. of, of meat but they would bury the meat you know they'd cook literally in a pit in the ground and and they would they would build a fire on top of rocks and then they would they would put the meat you know the fire would die down they put the meat and they put more rocks on top of that fire and then they put the meat on top of that and they cover it with with hay and just let it cook slowly right. and let it smolder and, hay, right. and you know they've had huge barbecue cookouts throughout the country historically it's been something that has has and there, I think actually Lyndon B Johnson had sort of a semi state dinner once where he cooked like a tremendous number of half cattle I mean seriously throwing a half a cow. He did, the, and he did ground. a pit. I know he had yeah. he had a lot of barbecue dinners. Right. Yeah. 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 But but there was one where it was it was almost a sort of a grotesque amount of of, of carnage going on. <laughs> that was really really cool. But I mean, it's, it is it's it's one of our few sort of culinary legacies here in the United States is. is this development I mean, of barbecue. Barbecue. A lot of people, in fact, think that barbecue was invented in America. Obviously, we've just put that to right. Rest. No, it definitely it was wasn't. not. Sure. But you know, but but the whole the whole I guess. Um, than method of the saucing or cooking it differently. But then there's another meaning to the word barbecue, and barbecue is also a noun. Barbecue means 
the social event that you all come together. Right. You all come together. Like you said, Lyndon B. Johnson, he had into a barbecues. It meant yep. the method that the, the meat was cooked, but also that it was a coming together of people to enjoy the final product. Well, I think that's cooked. why people have taken such license with it as, as far as it goes for the, to the technique. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not... We throw it around. It's it is it's like you said at the beginning of the show. It's summertime. It's hanging out and and uh, we're having a barbecue. Who cares whether it's technically correct or not? It means we're going to get together. We're going to cook something up. That's right. You know, on a grill, in a smoker, over a pit. You know, but we're going to eat outside and you know, and you have to have beer. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, yeah. an, another thing that um, is interesting is barbecue was um, so often. Um, related people thought of barbecue being pork always pork sure. but pork was a very staple f- convenient food in the south and uh, and so that was the food that was and, ca- and and then of course the butchering of the pork became a social event because at the end of the season if you raised this pig then you butchered it and you invited everybody to take part in in consuming it only the parts you would consume of course would only be the parts that wouldn't be put up that would wouldn't be preserved or you know fit to uh, to sell. Well, you look at ham. Market. I mean, and traditionally, you know, black Smoking forest ham. ham. I mean, yeah. you're you're you, <coughs> excuse me. I think that historically, barbecue and pork has probably been the the most uh, barbecued in quotations there barbecued <laughs> yeah. item uh, for sure. That's right. But I have to say, the first really large event barbecue event that I ever attended, I was about seven years old. And it was an entire cattle, an entire right. cow, and the whole community came together. And they brought in these um, these master barbecuers, like you f- went out and found. And it was a three day event. I mean, they just slowly turned this this cow for a couple of days until it was finally done. And I guess probably about two hundred, two fifty, two hundred fifty, three hundred people. Um, all gathered around then and, and had all, all you ended up with was a, a sandwich with you know a little bit of um, meat on a bun but right. it was it, you know it was a huge well, social event when, and it was great and that was at, beef right and you start to look at barbecue as an umbrella term yes and you know it, it's sort of like it, it's it's the classic categorization the, the, the you know the the kingdom phylum species you know genus species and, and, and uh, if you want to look at it that way because there are different styles then if you say just call it all barbecue, then of course there's the Argentinian method that you know, Peter Kaminsky just wrote about recently. Right. You know, uh, seven fires. We had him; he was <clears> a guest on the show. There, and there's, you know, you go to, you know, you go to Greece, or you go to, the, you go to the Mediterranean, you go to the Balkans. Everybody is smoking something or slowly grilling it over fire because, I mean, that was the traditional method of cooking. How else were you going to cook? You had fire. You had large animals. That's right. You know, so so you can call it. You can call all of that almost all original cooking. You can call you, you could call it barbecue. And you, in particular, are uh, introducing a new type of bar. Well, it's not new, but but new to many Americans. And when we we're going to take a short break, and we come back, we're going to talk about the Asian barbecue. Cool. down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. (laughs) 
I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, cause I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet, you're gonna regret, cause I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard, cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. Well, now that certainly makes you think of American barbecue. <laughs> We're going to travel from American barbecue down to Southeast Asia. And uh, my son, Zach, is the guest here on A Taste of the Past, Zach Palaccio. Hello. And Zach has <clears throat> just recently opened a new restaurant called Fatty Q in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn. And um, the Q, of course, is, you know, the wink to barbecue, right? Correct. Um, and... For no other reason, it is smoked meat. But a lot of people go in there and fish, right? And they may they may think, "Well, this is a barbecue joint." Tell me and tell our listeners what it really is. I don't know what it really is. I mean, (laughs) you know, that's that's the best answer I can give you. But I'd say more so than anything, it it is it's a restaurant that is sort of an homage to barbecue, right? I mean, it's in it, it. in that we use two smokers, and a smoker, for the purposes of, of illustrating my point, is a smoker is a box uh, in which there is a fire, uh, and we put wood in there. We make a fire out of wood, and that fire is not directly uh, heating the interior of the box in which the food is cooked. It's actually vented, and the smoke, the hot smoke from the wood fire goes into the box and circulates throughout the main chamber. The, thus, it's exclusively the smoke that's cooking the meat or fish or protein or vegetables that we put, we cook eggplant in there, for instance, that we cook in the smokers. Mm-hmm. So the idea that that I had sort of developed over time, it, originally it started with a conversation my girlfriend and I were having about barbecue, uh, and, and Jory is her name, and Jory said to me, you know, Zach, I want to open a truck called Texi, and I want it to be a barbecue truck, and I'll drive around and, you know, be a cool little painting Texi on the side, and, you know, I'll serve barbecue to people. Uh, you know, I'll smoke it in one place, put it in the truck, and drive it around. I said, that's really cool, and we just started talking and blabbing to each other. I said, what, what if we did Texi Malayu? And Malayu be, meaning, referring to Malaysian cuisine, uh, and I used to work in a restaurant in Kuala Lumpur called Seri Malayu. So I said, what about the name Texi Malayu? And what we could do, it would be really cool. We, I said, we could, you know, we could brine our meats, you know, with with Indonesian bay leaves and chilies and spices. We could, you know, give a squeeze of lime and a dash of chili on on the meat when, before we serve it, instead of just serving it naked. Because she's a Texas girl, and her idea was, you know, no sauce. It's a you know traditional Texas barbecue. So I, I was thinking, you know, this is a great way to to play on on, on the smoky fatty typical American barbecue, one that often and so often gives us palate fatigue. I mean, I know I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the guy whose eyes are always bigger than his stomach. I go into a barbecue restaurant. I want this, this, this. That sounds great. Excuse me, you end up getting it. A lot of it almost tastes the tastes same. Tastes the same, yeah. And there isn't really much going on in terms of just sort of that dynamic contrast that I look for in food so much where, where it's peaking my palate and my palate interest that is where I want to have another bite or I want to go to another flavor and there is a meat that has another flavor or a different sort of sauce or, or, or piquancy or you know something that really is is, is inviting and, and exciting uh, 
so that that sort of started ringing around in my head that idea, and it was it was just bouncing around and. And got to know Robbie Richter very well, and you know, Robbie was Robbie's a pitmaster from, uh, from he's from Queens, and but I mean, he was at he was at a lot of different uh, barbecue places. Well, he he, he he built the program the barbecue program in a well known barbecue joint in New York called Hill Country Barbecue. So Robbie developed their barbecue program, and and uh, he, he sort of lost interest because they wanted to do a very traditional product. The one the the owner of Hill Country. And they do a great job, but the owners, from, his family's from Texas, and they they wanted he wanted it to be sort of a traditional Texas style barbecue, and it's a great representation of that. However, I think <clears throat> in my discussions with Robbie, he wanted to go the next step. He wanted to see what else he could get out of barbecue. I mean, he's a New York native, not a Texas native. <laughs> Being a New York native, you know, growing up in Queens, it's the most ethnic, ethnically diverse place in the entire world. A lot world. of different food. <clears throat> so you know, it was you know, it was a matter only a matter of time until Robbie said, "Hey, there's got to be more I can do with this." Um, so he and I, talking over time, decided that uh, this would make sense. Well, the other thing about, um, and I have to say that the food is is quite. Not unique so much, but it is, I mean, it is delicious. And the flavors, each different dish has its own palette of flavors going on. As you said, you don't get that palate fatigue because everything's a little bit different. Although I will say, I come home, I read there last night and I came home and I was smelling my hands and they smelled like smoke. But well, that's what you want. It's a barbecue joint. Right. It's a barbecue joint, but it's, you don't order meat by the pound. You that's know, the other not- thing. Everything is, is a little more... Composed. Delicate. It's composed. Yeah. It's del- not delicate. You know, it's it's a, a like a small daintier portion. Think. Um, Please don't use the word dainty with my with okay, my restaurant. A delicate I might lose customers. Portion. <laughs> a delicate portion, but the flavors are so high that all you need is that smaller taste, and boom, you know the flavors explode, and, and there they well, go. And that's you know the thing with barbecue, and the reason why I mean the portions are certainly not dainty. They're not dainty, but they're, but it's not like a huge slab of meat on a plate right. in your face, and 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 that was deliberate because well well for two reasons. One, we use all locally raised. Grass-fed, not always grass-fed because I'm not 100% on total grass-fed, but often grass-fed and grain-finished. Um, <clears throat> and I use both, to- all grass-fed and then grass-fed and grain-finished. But it's all local, uh, pastured meat, uh, naturally raised, no hormones. I mean, we buy, just like a fatty crab and a cabrito, you know, we buy a high-quality product, and then we do our best to offer it at, 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 at a great value. Um, making my food margins incredibly high and frustrating, but we have to watch them carefully because I believe that you know people should be able to eat good quality food for a good price, <clears throat> and so that's one reason why the portions aren't huge. Because if I were to give huge portions, the cost would be prohibitive. Secondly, though, and this was that was just sort of a matter of fact and something that came after after I I saw the prices of all the meat I was buying. But the 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 act the initial idea was to make smaller portions so that people could taste, and they wouldn't get burned down on it because barbecue is heavy. Mm-hmm. Barbecued meat, I mean, the smoke. If you have a, a piece of meat that has a good fat content in it, that in and of itself is filling, and you add smoke to it, it's like adding another layer of heaviness to it, and it does it fills you up more quickly. In addition so, to whatever you do, I mean, t- tell me tell me what you do to the meats like that. I know the chicken is just, it's the most succulent, tender chicken with, with all kinds of flavors going on in it. What do you do? You don't, just don't put this chicken well, we, in the we, smoker. No, we brine it first. Mm-hmm. We brine it in, you know, with garlic and herbs and chilies. Um, and a brine is a, is a salt or salt and sugar solution. 
So, uh, you know, we, we, we drop it in this liquid salt solution. Um, it's like seawater, you know, and, and it sits for a day before we cook it. And then we also inject it. We inject it with a little bit of the brine mixed with a little bit of honey. Um, you know, and, and that's totally natural, but we just get some of the flavor into the chicken. And you start with a really good chicken, as well, you said. We, the, right. You know, we buy all local chicken. chicken and yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and then we, uh, you know, we serve, so we serve the chicken, just barbecue chicken chopped up. We make a sauce with, with uh, palm sugar and fish sauce. You know, this is a Southeast Asian component here. Palm sugar and fish sauce, which we smoke. We put big uh, trays you know, filled with the palm sugar fish sauce mixture. We put it into the smoker, and we let it go for several hours. So it picks up smokiness. And turns a real nice dark amber oh, color, yeah, it's like a, yeah, Red, it's a Reddish amber color. Dark, yeah. yeah, it's like a reddish amber. And then, and then we add a little bit of lime juice to that, and we add minced chilies and minced cucumber and minced red onion and cilantro stem. Uh, and young ginger, and it, and that's a little condiment that you can choose to add to your chicken, or you can eat the chicken as is. Well, now let's take the ribs for instance, um, the pork ribs. Yeah. Do you treat them any differently than any other barbecue restaurant before you barbecue them, or? Uh, no. And it's just the, 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 it's just the presentation of the sauce. Differently. They're rubbed down. Uh, they're uh, they're rubbed with a a mixture of salt and Indonesian long peppercorn. And if you've ever smelled an Indonesian long peppercorn, you know it doesn't smell like your normal normal peppercorn. It's more floral. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more complex. Uh, it's more expensive, <laughs> certainly. But it's amazing. And I, I have a, a wonderful spice guy who I'm buying from. Um, his company's called Le Boite Epice. His name's Lior, uh, mm. and he's, he's, he's become a good friend, and he's a great guy. Um, and he brings in the best spices in New York. Now, is the Asian long pepper the same as long pepper, the ancient long pepper? It's like long and... and it like sort of looks like a dried mulberry, pepper. maybe. It's yeah. More, it's yeah. sort of and more grayish color and, and kind of light gray in color. It's, a, no, it's dark. Gray. It's, yeah. it's dark, but okay. but it looks... I mean, it almost looks like a, like a, a mini petrified uh, pine tree, like coniferous tree. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's dark, and and it's wonderfully aromatic. And it's funny because I was talking to Robbie the other day, and 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 he had thought we ran out of the long peppercorn. He just couldn't find it, and he started to make a mix of some mixed peppercorns because he was last minute. He needed to get this done, and uh, he's like, Zach, I just really didn't. I just next to next to those long peppercorns, he's like, I just didn't like this mixture of. And we have great peppercorn. We have beautiful, you know, from Lior. We have beautiful white pepper. Uh, um, Tella cherry black pepper, um, Sarawa black pepper, and uh, green peppercorns. You know, we have wonderful spices that um, just didn't have that didn't nuance have that, of yeah, they have, of, exactly. Yeah. So that's what's unique to the ribs, and then the, the method by which Robbie cooks them. I mean, he's about precision. Uh, you know, we spend uh, infinite amounts of time on brisket, which seems to be the most challenging meat of all to cook, and and. Uh, you know, it's it's that classic Texas meat. You go to every Texas barbecue restaurant and has brisket. So we sort of want an ante up and have our own brisket. But, you know, it's 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 a tough meat. And I never had it. I've never I've, every barbecue restaurant I've ever gone to, it's always been dry here and there, and we're constantly looking at how to do it in the traditional method without cooking it. I've I've braised plenty of brisket and, you know, and I've I've cooked brisket in steam ovens or, you know, in combi ovens or or CVAPs, ovens that have humidity. Uh, present where you can cook things very slowly and you re- retain the moisture, but it's not smoking and it's not what we're doing. 
So, you know, we, we've, we've constantly challenged or we're constantly challenging ourselves by trying to get reach a higher point with the brisket. And it's an ongoing process. And one day we like it. And the next day we say, oh, this is crap. And we want to move to the next one. So, you know, it, it's, it's, I think that often what you find in a lot of barbecue restaurants is there's not the same level of sort of culinary technique and attention paid to, paid to the meat. And it's often people are cooking. They're not necessarily trained chefs. And, you know, like in Robbie's instance, he's not a trained chef, but he is surrounded by trained chefs who are interested in trying to achieve a higher level with the barbecue. So it's fun for him, and it's a challenge for everybody. So you take this great pot product that he's carefully smoked to the right tenderness, and then you layer all this other stuff around it. Right. Not, well, not on top of it, but around it and well, with it. Right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, we, we're not oversaucing the items. Right. Uh, you know, we leave. We like to meet, leave the meat somewhat sta- speaking for itself. But what we do before to it, bef- I mean, before it's cooked and after, you know, is in, in, in the accoutrement are are you know what what's really unique. I mean, before we cook the brisket, we rub it down with uh, black pepper and kaffir lime leaf and lime zest, and it gets a, a wet rub with uh, shallots and garlic and ginger and coconut milk. So I mean, there there are certainly there's certainly the Southeast Asian palate applied to it. Well, and you do it, it does taste different, and I and I I have to say that you don't have to eat as much to feel really satisfied because the flavors are are so. Each piece of meat has a, as I said, a distinct flavor, something right. different, and it's not just piling in meat where all you're tasting is maybe the sauce or the smoke. You know, right. you're tasting a lot of different things going on here, and. And I have to say, I did not give your introduction, I didn't give you full credit in your introduction. Now you have, this is your third fatty restaurant, as I say. That's right. Fatty Crab is the first, a Malaysian, right. like street food type restaurant. But, you know, and, 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 and I think it's probably unfair to all those cultures to call it any one thing, because it's not, I mean, there is a heavy Malaysian influence in Fatty Crab, mm-hmm. but it's not strictly Malaysian. Southeast and, Asian. And we take the, we take the palate of Malaysia and, and, and we try to do it justice and i think we do but we don't cook everything in traditional methods and they're not all traditional dishes we riff on it but you know we don't we make all of our own curry spice blends you know from the dried spice all the way to the wet mix to combining it to to cooking it out i mean everything we make there is from scratch but it was influenced predominantly by malaysian cuisine yes well a lot of um my friends of asian origin love to eat there and and you know you're doing something right when you look around the people who are eating in the restaurant and yeah. you've got a good mix of of cultures in there and a lot of asians so, so yeah it's so a total turn on yeah, yeah. You know. and they're always surprised that some white kids are cooking it you know and that's and that's cool and that's yeah. cool and people dig the flavors though. well I, and the um it'll be interesting to see um how fatty q does right now it's doing very well it's, it's popular well of course, it's new williamsburg is a fun place to go too for you know to, i have i have a good out. feeling on it about it knock on wood but and, and that's because i know the people who work there mm-hmm. and really at the end of the day it's a, a business is about who's there all the time and we have great people who are really interested and they're into turning people on to a good party and that's what you want when you I'll go barbecue out. a barbecue there it's you go. a barbecue <laughs> Yeah, that's a good note to end on. It is yeah, a barbecue. Yeah, it's a bar- and and I I hope that it will be perceived well because it really is. I think this whole idea of taking barbecue and bringing it or not taking it, bringing it back from all the other places where it's being done, and and letting the American um, food world know that there are a lot of different ways to to eat this food. Just, than a, just a note, by the way, I, you were talking about barbecue as an umbrella term. Yeah. In I mean, in Southeast Asia, I, I you know I've witness rice being stuffed into banana into into bamboo and smoked oh, sure. over coconut yeah. husks 
you know, and I mean, there's coconut husks are so, I mean, they're ubiquitous, so they're used as a fuel. And a lot of uh, satay, for instance, you know, you're cooking it over wood or sometimes over charcoal. This could all be called barbecue. Ah, the French use old vines. Right. Yeah, well, they're so freaking elegant, aren't they, those French? You know, they're so goddamn superior. But, you know, at the same time, the great thing is that barbecue brings people together. It right? does. It does. And I'm so glad that you came and joined me here today. Thanks. I went and ate at your restaurant last night. It was only fair you come and join me. <laughs> sure, anytime. Uh, but I think My it's pleasure. I think it's a fun thing to to uh, to talk about. And I And go to Dixon's. And go to Dixon's. <laughs> go to Dixon's Farm Stand Meats. Uh, I want to thank Dixon's for being our sponsor today and thank Roberta's for for being here and also thank my producer Jack Insley and my engineer Nat Wiener. Again, I'm Linda Palaccio and this has been A Taste of the Past. Mm